In an infamous 1986 sketch on Saturday Night Live, William Shatner, who played Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise in the classic TV series Star Trek, plays himself at a fan convention. Surrounded by a group of geeky guys, he quickly gets fed up with their increasingly nitpicky questions. Shatner says, you know, before I answer any more questions, there's just something I wanted to say. Having received all your letters over the years, and I've spoken to so many of you, and some of you have traveled, you know, hundreds of miles to be here, I'd just like to say, get a life, will you? I mean, for crying out loud, it's just a TV show. I mean, look at you, look at the way you're dressed. You've turned an enjoyable little job that I did as a lark for a few years into a colossal waste of time. <laughs> now, you may or may not be part of Star Trek or any other kind of fandom, but that line, get a life, has resonance beyond a silly sketch on SNL or whatever pop culture phenomenon people obsess about. Get a life could be a title for John's Gospel. So far, we've heard about the divine word made flesh in Jesus how John the Baptist identified him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, how he called Peter, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel, how he changed the water into wine as a foreshadowing of God's abundance, and how he directly challenged the money changers and livestock dealers in the temple, attacking the, the intertwining of faith and the marketplace. All these stories about Jesus illustrate the point that John's gospel is making. Real, enduring life is found only in Jesus, the Messiah. And this encounter in John chapter 3 continues to make that point. Nicodemus sees Jesus at night. Why? Nicodemus was a Pharisee who was on the Jewish high ruling council. Jesus, just before, just last week, we heard how he unleashed chaos in the temple which was the center of Jewish religious life and the seat of the council's power. If he were seen conversing with Jesus, Nicodemus might be labeled as subversive and removed. But Jesus is intriguing. He's clearly not a lunatic. What he's doing has a point to it, and the signs he's doing point to a power greater than himself. So Nicodemus arranges for this night meeting to find out what this Jesus is all about, it seems. But Nicodemus is quickly out of his depth. For all his learning, for all his understanding, he simply can't understand Jesus. It's kind of interesting how it goes. Nicodemus starts off with a statement of what he knows, and he quickly gets schooled by Jesus in just how little he knows. He can't understand. Born from above, born of water and the Spirit, everyone born of the Spirit is like the Spirit? Or are they like the wind? Jesus uses double meanings a lot here, so it's no wonder that Nicodemus gets confused. If Nicodemus is sincere, if Nicodemus is going to Jesus seeking clarification, Jesus doesn't seem to provide enlightenment. Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night, so night language is what Nicodemus gets. The words are probably baffling. They're, they can, they're baffling to me, too. 
They're my, they're, they're, they baffle us. Jesus seems to be speaking in heady concepts here. But Jesus isn't talking about some abstract theory removed from everyday life. Jesus is talking about getting a life. Getting a real life. What is real life? John 3, 16, 17. The gospel in a nutshell. The essence of the message gets us on the right track. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, to judge the world, but in order that the world might be saved or healed through him. The term Jesus uses here is eternal life. But eternal life is not about mere perpetuity of life. It isn't about just living forever. If it were, well, that might be a good definition of hell. Perpetual life on earthly terms, social privileges and punishments, environmental degradation, haves and haves nots, gnawing unfulfillment. That's, that would destroy our humanity, not redeem it. When Jesus is talking about eternal life, he must be talking about something more than just perpetual existence. Eternal life for Jesus is about being made whole. The word Jesus uses in verse 17, translated saved, that the world might be saved through him, can also be translated healed. The healed life Jesus offers is a life rooted in the Spirit of God. It is a life that offers wholeness in a way that the world can't offer. It is a life that offers healing, healing of our broken world, of our bruised lives. It is a life that offers liberation, liberation from structures of sin that perpetuate injustice and sickness. And it is a life that begins now and is brought to its fullness in the resurrection. This isn't a utopian pie-in-the-sky dream, nor is this a your-best-life-now kind of prosperity gospel. Such a life has no patience for the world's... Such a life in Christ, in the Spirit of God, has no patience for the world's concept of the good life, where you're winning if you have a lot of toys and you can do whatever you want. Eternal life rooted in Christ is rooted in real suffering, the suffering of God in the flesh, the one lifted up on the cross. And as Jesus will say later, the servant is never above the master. We should expect suffering as a natural consequence of the life of faith. Yet this life, this life that Christ offers is real life. It is embodied life. It is life rooted in the one who carried sin's weight on his back. It is life rooted in the one who destroys sin's power so that we can live abundant, full lives. Such a life is given in baptism. It is given at that font that Mike pointed out just a few minutes ago. It begins there. It unites us to our humanity, to the creation, and to God. Doesn't that sound 
like refreshing change from the way we've been living, from the way the world lives, from the way our society has gone? Doesn't getting a real life, a life rooted in the sun, sound better than a life rooted in who's right and who's wrong? Than a life rooted in social media, in one's own stuff, controlled by one's own fears and anxieties? That's the kind of life Jesus gives. A real life, a life that acknowledges suffering and yet is ready to embrace God's abundance. Such a life shines Christ's light in the world, and in our darkened world, we need that light more than ever. In this epiphany season, the season of light, may we all get a life, a real life, rooted in the Son of God and the wholeness and abundance he brings. There's a lovely song that Ruth introduced to me the past year. It's called Water Life. I'm going to play a third verse for you. I hope I'm still in tune. We'll find out.